The Indian in the Cupboard by Lynn Reed Banks. Chapter 4 The Great Outdoors. Both horse and man seemed to sniff the air, tasting its freshness and testing it for danger at the same time. The horse was still making circles with his nose when Little Bear sprang onto its back. The horse, startled, reared slightly, but this time Little Bear clung onto his long mane. The horse's front feet had no sooner touched the path than he was galloping. Omri leaped to his feet and gave chase. The horse's speed was remarkable, but Omri found that by running along the, the long beside the path, he could keep up quite easily. The ground was dry and as Indian and horse raced along, a most satisfying cloud of dust rose behind them so that Omri could easily imagine that they were galloping across some wild, unbroken territory. More and more, he found, he was able to see things from the Indian's point of view. The little stones on the path became huge boulders that had to be dodged. Weeds became trees. The lawn's edge an escarpment twice the height of a man. As for living things, an ant scuttling down across the horse's path made him shy wildly. The shadow of a passing bird falling on him brought him to a dead stop, crouching and cowering as a full-sized horse might if some huge bird of prey swooped at him. Once again, Omri marvelled at the courage of Little Bear, faced with all these terrors. But it was not the courage of recklessness. Little Bear clearly recognised his peril and, when he had his gallop, turned the horse's head and came trotting back to Omri, who crouched down to hear what he said. This was much more difficult in the open air somehow. Danger, said the Indian. Much. I need bows, arrows, club, maybe gun, he asked pleadingly. Omri shook his head. Then Indian weapons. Yes, said Omri. You need those. I'll find them today. In the meantime, we'd better go back in the house. Not go in shut place. Stay here. You stay. Drive off wild animals. I can't. I've got to go to school. What school? A place where you learn. Ah, learn. Good, said Little Bear approvingly. Learn law of tribe. Honour for ancestors. Ways of the spirits. Well, something like that. Little Bear was clearly reluctant to return to the house, but he had the sense to realise that he couldn't cope outside by himself. He galloped along the path with Omri running alongside and dismounting re-entered the carton. Omri was just carrying it back up the stairs when the back door suddenly opened and there was his father. Omri, what on earth have you been doing out here in your pyjamas? And nothing on your feet, you naughty boy. What are you up to? Omri clutched the box to him so hard in his fright that he felt the sides bend and quickly relaxed his hold. He felt himself breaking into a sweat. Nothing. I couldn't sleep. I wanted to go out. What's wrong with putting on your slippers at least? Sorry, I forgot. Well, hurry up and get dressed now. Omri rushed upstairs and panting, laid the box on the floor. He opened the flap. The horse rushed out alone and stood under the table, whining and trembling. He had had a rough ride, full of foreboding. Omri bent down and peered into the box. Little Bear was sitting in a corner of it, hugging his leg, which Omri saw, to his horror, was bleeding right through his buckskin leggings. Box, jump, horse, get fear, kick, little bear, said the Indian, who, though calm, was clearly in pain. Oh, I'm sorry, cried Omri. Can he come out? I'll see what I can do. Little bear stood and walked out of the box. He did not let himself limp. 
Take off your leggings, let me see the cut, said Omri. The Indian obeyed him and stood on his breechcloth. On his tiny leg was a wound from the horse's hoof, streaming blood onto the carpet. Omri didn't know what to do, but Little Bear did. Water, he ordered. Cloths. Omri, through his panic, forced himself to think clearly. He had water in a glass by his bed, but that would not be clean enough to wash a wound. His mother had some Listerine in her medicine cupboard. When any of the boys had a cut, she would add a few drops to some warm water, and that was a disinfectant. Omri dashed to the bathroom and, with trembling hands, did what he had seen his mother do. He took a small piece of cotton wool, what could be used as a bandage. He had no idea at all. But he hurried back with the water and poured some into the action man's mess tin. The Indian tore off a miniature wisp of cotton and dipped it into the liquid and applied it to his leg. The Indian's eyes opened wide, though he did not wince. This not water, this fire! It's better than water. Now, tie, said the Indian next. Hold in blood. Omri looked around desperately. A small, uh, a bandage small enough for a wound like that. He suddenly, suddenly his eyes lighted on the biscuit tin. There, lying on top, was a First World War soldier with the real armband of a medical orderly. In his hand was a doctor's bag with a red cross on it. What might that not contain if Omri could make it real? Stop, not stopping to think too far ahead, he snatched the figure up and thrust it into the cupboard, shutting the door and turning the key. A moment later, a thin English voice from inside called, Here, where am I? Come back. You blokes don't leave a chap alone in the dark. The end.